Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Everyone and welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com. Tony Shebeki with you. I'm also joined by my co-hosts, uh, Welshie and Lyle. Hello, Welshie. Very good, eh, Tony? It's awesome to be back after a, a decent break. I mean, you worked last week, but the rest of us didn't. Are you refreshed? Nah. No. Lyle, no. what about you? I feel a, full of optimism at the minute, Tony. Good wrestling is easy to find at the minute. Uh, so shit wrestling. What, you know, I'm not interested in finding shit wrestling. I haven't got time for that. Um, Don't worry. Don't worry. Even when I'm not looking, sometimes it finds you. Um, But look, we're coming out of lockdown. You did really well last week. Tony moderating uh, the roundtable. So I want to say congratulations to that, mate. Um, Well-received episode that didn't involve uh, Welsh or I. So I don't know what that says. I know, Tony, that you always hang out for my feedback on um, on episodes that I'm not on. Um, no. <laughs> I, I, I was a little bit worried when the episode dropped and, well, she hadn't mentioned in the group chat a good episode this week, Tony. I, um, no, I, privately, I privately messaged Tony. And told oh, him so you put that fire some, out. Privately. Some areas that he could improve. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Tony, you were um, – that was really good. Uh and well hosted because three three guys really wanted to hear from during the at the end of the pandemic as we're hopefully coming to and you gave them a platform and didn't and and didn't um, sort of overbear it at all. It was really well done. Oh, thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Uh, comes with a lot of years of experience, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, you, don't, you don't need to be humble. You, you're no, never humble in the group chat. No, no, exactly right. Uh, nah. Of course, of course, we love supporting our supporters, and one of our great supporters is the Australian Wrestling Network that just keeps finding new stuff all the time. New, new old stuff that uh, hasn't been seen by uh, some new eyes. Um, and it's still no word. We've had a bit of a layoff, Tony. Any word on those uh, circus tent shows that no. you ran? None. Still none. Well, you had the guy who's got the tapes last week. You didn't ask him. I wasn't. Tony, oh. did you? Uh, no, I wasn't on. It wasn't about me. But the good yeah. thing is, is that hopefully my bar will be finished in the backyard soon, and we can come yeah. and have a viewing. Well, does that mean we have to come over? Well, you don't have mm. to. I don't Wear think I'm mask. in your bubble. I'm not in your bubble, Tony. Mm. Do do um. You're not checking passports, are you? Vaccine passports. No, no, you're no. not checking those. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I got no. one off. Go- I got one off Google anyway. Um, yeah, cool. Hey, don't joke about that, you, you Nimrod. I am double back. Sorry, that was a poor, poor joke. Um, 
I apologise. You, you didn't go double vax with one of those prosthetic arms, did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, How well. dumb do people think that um, nurses are? They're not going to notice plastic arms. Uh, I, I thought it was a good gag. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it was. Oh, I, maybe some I've people seen, bought it. I've seen yeah. people fall for worse during this pandemic. Yeah. Hey, so, the people selling those arms, they probably double backed themselves and said, "Hey, some stupid people will buy these. Let's get them out there. <laughs> good money making. Well done." All right, guys, time to meet our guest. He's over in Perth, another one of those guys that's been wrestling most of the year, unlike all the people out here on the eastern side. Julian Ward joins us. G'day, Julian. How are you going, guys? Excellent. Thank you, mate. Uh, what's it been like as a wrestler to continue wrestling while the rest of the world has been, or the rest of Australia anyway, has been in hiatus? Yeah, it's. Um, I guess it's hard for me to answer. It's probably, uh, uh, I think we're, kind of blessed over here and it's it's hard to understand what it's like for the eastern state guys i don't think we've uh had a show cancelled or postponed at all this year which is um you know we're very lucky and i try to remain uh like aware of the fact that that we're very lucky as well over here so it's been really really good uh, um it's fair to say that uh your last year was put into chaos a fair bit though i know that you traveled over to canada and you were planning on living there um what happened there and and what was that experience like being in another country as COVID started to close in on the world? Yeah, straight into it, eh? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I get down and dirty. No, it was um, it was certainly an experience um, and not a good one. So I had, um, I went and trained with Lance Storm um, back in 2016 and through that I made a bunch of contacts um, that would like dispersed all over Canada and whatnot um, and a couple of them were in Toronto um, and you guys know uh, Sam Osborne? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Sam Osborne and a guy that he used to tag with in Canada, um, I sort of connected with them a little bit. And um, I was kind of going to follow in, in Sam's footsteps. So he lived in Toronto for, for a little while, uh, training and wrestling with uh, Santino Morella's promotion. And um, at the time, Impact Wrestling had sort of moved its operations to Canada as well. So I was trying to weasel my way into impact <laughs> and um, <laughs> the plan was to go and, and base myself there and, and do the indie scene around there and, and train with Santino and, and whatnot. Uh, so what we did was me and my partner, we uh, sold all our, is this a PG podcast? Am I allowed to swear? You can swear if you need to swear. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Me and my partner sold all our shit and quit our jobs and um, we jetted over and we went to, we were in Vancouver we're going to stay there for a couple of weeks and then trot back to Calgary so I could see a lot of the guys that, that I knew from from back then and then make our way to Toronto. But after uh, after like 15 days in Vancouver, things just um, declined. It was a real, like, I couldn't have picked a worse time. So when I left, things were uh, like, it was in the news and whatnot that, that things were getting bad, but there was basically zero impact on Australia and zero impact on Canada as well. So we left thinking that we'd be, we'd be fine. Um, and those 15 days were sort of when the whole world shifted. And, and I was there when, when Canada went into a, a complete strong lockdown and, and we had nowhere to stay and whatnot. But yeah, basically to finish the story off, the, we spoke to the Australian embassy and because of the time that we got there, we, we basically were job hunting and looking for an apartment and whatnot um, because we had no jobs, no apartment and our insurance got voided because of the uh, pandemics weren't covered. Um, so we, we basically couldn't stay. So found ourselves back in Perth, you know, three weeks later instead of two years later. 
But what did you think of Vancouver? It's a beautiful place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, the embassy's nice. Yeah, yeah. Now the last five days was basically full lockdown, so we we didn't we. Thankfully, the Airbnb we stayed in, we sort of went went. It was connected to the house that the uh, the people owned, so we basically knocked on the door with all our stuff, and we're like, we got nowhere to go. We're homeless. Can we? can we stay an extra week? And they were really good and, and they got us some groceries and stuff like that. And we hung out in that Airbnb for the last week. But the first 10 days in Vancouver were excellent. I had a great time. We, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and what's, what's it, going what's through it, your mind? Oh, sorry. What's going through your mind as, as it's, as it's sort of kind of, you would have felt like the world's closing in on you a little bit. Yeah, I did. Um, well, getting home was such an experience in itself that it didn't register much at the time. Like, especially when I was there, it was like really hard to get a flight. And, and I can't, um, I try not to be overdramatic on things like this because you don't want to be that wrestler telling all these wild stories. But I swear <laughs> to God, I, I thought it was the apocalypse when we, on the way home, like the, the airport, when we got there, we were lucky to get a flight. And then when we got to the airport, um, there was like all these backpackers that had congregated at the front of the airport and they were just going in sort of every half hour, asked like begging, had anyone not showed up for their flight? Can I get on a flight? Uh, a lot of people were, were sort of crying and they had all their stuff and had nowhere to go. And, um, so that was scary. So, so getting home to Perth was almost like a relief. Uh, but then sort of we did, we did the two-week quarantine period and um, in that time when we had a lot of time to think, it sort of hit me that, you know, it was like a three-year plan um, to go into it and, and we sacrificed a lot to get there. So it sort of hit me. I, I, I'm not a particularly emotional person. I tend to move on from things pretty quick, but it did hang around for, for a little while and um, I couldn't help but feel like uh, it had been taken from me a little bit. And I thought that, you know, I deserve as, as a silly word in wrestling, but I thought that I'd earned the right to, to give it a really good shake while I was still young. And I felt like that, got taken away from me so I was probably a little bit bitter for a while but um you know with the way things went for the next two years I, I'm I am glad that that I've been in Perth for the last 12 months two years and, and what's it like when you do get out of the 14 day quarantine once you get back to Perth and you've only uh, recently sold all your stuff and you have to start <laughs> again not knowing when you're going to yeah. get follow your dreams yeah it was it was uh difficult to say the least my partner's a nurse um so she thankfully found work pretty quick because it was panic stations in wa uh like with a nursing shortage um and my old job took me back so i guess um i'm really grateful in that sense we were really lucky but it was really weird because it was like the storm was following us like when we got to canada there was nothing going on and then shit went south really quick and then we got back to perth and nobody really here nobody here really cared because it hadn't affected anybody yet. So we were sitting in quarantine, like we just left the apocalypse in Vancouver and we came here and everyone was normal. And then the quarantine period ended and we came out and then Perth went into lockdown. So I felt like I was just, you know, haunted by this, this virus that <laughs> wouldn't go away as we all have in the last couple of years. It's yeah, a shame next... it didn't actually happen around Halloween time back then. Because that like, would have been the apocalypse. Everyone, zombies least, walking the everyone would have worn a mask at least. Yeah, that's yeah true. it was like a IRL <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> I tell you what, though, next time you watch a zombie movie, the first act of a zombie movie, it's going to hit very close to home because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Yeah, PTSD, right? <laughs> um, now, the, now, with those yeah. um, with those plans, are you able to re 
visit those plans in the future when the world does open up, we all get back to normal or we've moved on from those? Yeah, I've deleted the word plan from my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we were sent, so we, the shit thing was because we got there, it's a two year visa that you're on and the clock starts ticking when they stamp that you arrive in the country. Um, so we got 15 days and our visa will expire within the next you know, three months. But um, there are ways to sort of go around and get another one and, and uh, get, get your way back. So we're definitely not ruling it out. And it was also something aside from wrestling that sort of just as a, as a person I wanted to do for my own development and like, you know, living abroad, um, I think would be an experience that you, you would uh, take with you. If you. I don't know if any of you guys have done it, but you'd probably take that with you for the rest of your life. So it's definitely something that we, um, we are going to work to try and get back to eventually. Now you've, you've, ever, you've had a more positive experience in Canada previously. Let's talk a little bit about um, training with the great man, Lance Storm, who has had a hand in quite a lot of Australian wrestlers over the journey. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, yeah, it was great. It was probably, it sounded like such a mark, but it was probably the best time of my life, I think. I think just, uh, it was another time I quit my job, by the way. I quit my job <laughs> at the time. I was 20, 20 years Your resume is all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I was 20 years old and, and I didn't have a whole lot of responsibility at the time. Um, so I, I chucked my job in at Woolies, cutting fruit, and um, spent all the money I had to go over there. And it was such a good decision. Like, just living like a wrestler for three months. So Lance has, um, he's got a house that he owns that, that um, it's like first in best dress. So the first six or seven people that book into his, his uh, academy can live there. Um, so we lived at, at Lance's second house and, um, you know, just training five days a week. And then on, on the weekends, it was just like, what shows can we get to? How far away are they? How can we get there? And, and like, we had guys that were from, we had a really, really good class. I was really lucky. Like I heard from, from the Calgary boys that they can be a little bit hit or miss because obviously Lance doesn't know these people when he takes them in. You, see, you have to send him like an application letter, but you know, anyone can make themselves look good on paper, especially a bunch of, a bunch of wrestlers, right? So, um, but we had a really good class. We had guys that had come over that were trained like uh, by Progress in the UK. We had um, an Irish guy and then a bunch of guys from the States that, that had done a bit of training as well. Um, and that, it was such a good crew of people. So just living with them and, and focusing on wrestling literally 24-7 was, uh, was awesome. I, I wish I could go back. Not <laughs> Obviously, I wish I could go back to Canada in general, but... <laughs> <laughs> to that experience, that was um, was awesome. Well, I mean, obviously, there's really good schools that you've been training at in Australia, but how does Lance Storm get you thinking differently about wrestling? Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of people have asked me that. It's, um, I guess, there's not. I think what WA has a separate issue to to some of the other states in the sense that, like, we have no like grizzled dudes that are in their late fifties that wrestled thirty years ago and have seen the business evolve. We've got, we're very lucky to have like, like Dave and the OGs that, that have been wrestling for 20 odd years, but Lance had, had sort of been involved by that point for, for, I don't know, the better part of 30 plus years. And, and he's just done things that a lot of the Aussie guys didn't get to do. Not that they weren't good enough, but um, you know, ECW Japan, he, he did like the, when they were running tournaments um, in Europe, he would travel around and do the tournaments. And he just had this such a wide array of experience that he parlayed into this like uh what do you call it? like a like a training syllabus almost where 
you sort of went A through to Z um, his way. And I think that just being trained again, start to finish after I already had a good grasp of the basics was like a really nice little mixture that spat me out a, a much, much better wrestler. So I could bump and, and chain wrestle and I thought I was pretty decent. So then I went to Lance and started completely again and just the little things along the way. Um, it really changed the way that I approach wrestling. And then Lance was really good with the guys that had some experience. He would, he would sort of criticize them differently. And it was a lot about psychology. And, and then the other thing that Lance spoke about a lot, which I've taken on is like the business aspect, because that's one thing in Australia, you know, the business side of wrestling gets lost a little bit sometimes because we all just want to wrestle. And I completely understand that, obviously. But um, like approaching it like a business and, and marketing yourself and, and making good decisions that, that are like investments in your wrestling future um, has something, it's been something that sort of has been important to me since then. Which is interesting because as I look through your record as a wrestler, I see that probably 99% of your matches have been in WA. You haven't really being picked up by the Eastern States at all. Is that by choice or the, has the opportunity just not uh, thrown itself open? Uh, if you got, I'm sure you guys have spoken to, to, I know you guys have spoke to people from Perth and like, yeah, I think just being based here is, um, it's really, really hard. Like I was just talking about the business side of things, right? If you want somebody to, to bring you over to Melbourne and that flight's going to be 550 bucks, it's pretty, uh, arrogant of us to think that we're going to sell 550 bucks worth of tickets yeah so that you need to find ways to make yourself valuable obviously to uh to other promotions around the place um, but yeah so i've wrestled in sydney a couple of times and then this just this year in the last few months i've, I've started bouncing back to to wrestle rampage in adelaide um but honestly boys like the it's just been really hard to get to get booked in melbourne i've thrown the feelers out there a few times and um sometimes i got peanuts in return and then sometimes I got not right now and you know I'm just hustling away waiting for uh waiting for the the time to arise I'm not bitter about it at all wrestling's just timing you know there might not have been a spot I might not have been good enough at the time I might not have been valuable enough so as long as I keep working on myself as a complete package I'm sure that the opportunity will arise but it's definitely something that I that I want to do in my experience in my experience, there might be a few promoters just not paying enough attention to w, WA, to be honest, um, because there's so, well. much to, there's so much great talent out there. Well, that's what yeah, I was going to say. Possible. Off the back of that, we had David Storm last week on a round table talking about wrestling around Australia at the moment, and he went to lengths to point out just how good wrestling is over in WA at the moment, the amount of fantastic mm. talent that's there at the moment. There's probably no need as a wrestler for you to develop anywhere else apart from your home state. Yeah, that, that's definitely a valid way of, of, look, of approaching the whole situation. Um, I don't know if, if you guys have uh, you know, caught up on EPW or you know, still have it on the to-watch list, but like, I don't, without sounding like a salesman, our shows in the last 12 to 18 months and beyond, um, I'd, I don't know how many other indies are putting out as good of a product uh, as we are and you know if that if that comes off as, as a little bit arrogant then I just I would implore the fans to to go and watch and if I'm wrong then I'll put my hand up and say I'm wrong but our product has been like the the match quality is right up there that they're, they're investing in the production um, they have long-term plans so the stories make sense and and also the other thing is we've had the ability to train for the last two years without any hindrance for the most part um, which a lot of the Eastern State guys haven't so we're just working like 
you know, really, really hard. And, and everyone's sort of bought in, you know, like Perth's, are you guys been to Perth? Perth's a pretty small place. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's small in the sense that like, you can get anywhere in half an hour. So everyone that's involved in EPW is just always around and, and always trying. And, and we're like, uh, we're all on the same team and we've identified the fact we have an opportunity where our quality of wrestling quality show is really high. So if we keep pushing that, you know, there's no, like there's no ceiling on, on how popular APW can get. So um, yeah, in that sense, you know, living here and being a part of APW is, is enough for a lot of the guys. I, so I, I want to make a career out of wrestling. I don't want to go to work. I'm a personal trainer. I have to get up at quarter plus four every morning. I don't want to do that forever. So um, unless my boss is listening to this, in which case, sure, I have to do it. <laughs> Great job. Fantastic job. But yeah, so, you know, to do that, you need to, to be more places, know more people and do more things. So for me personally, I, I do need to get out and about, but um, there, there is for sure no shame in, in being an EPW through and through person, which a lot of our guys are. But one thing you have, you have been able to do um, that is almost rare in West Australian wrestling is you are appearing everywhere in western australia um so that's obviously a credit to the the way you're marketing yourself to other companies as well yeah um pop some flack for it over the years probably <laughs> um it, it's a little bit less like i don't know how long have you guys been around wrestling for no for me Tony, it's Tony 30 forever. years but but, um, yeah, about five or six for us. But um, yeah. like over here, that's the norm to yeah. wrestle for different companies. Yeah, is the right. norm. Okay. yeah, yeah. In the last like, I think I started training nine and a bit years ago. So in the last sort of decade, um, it's just changed so much. Like West Australian wrestling and probably Australian wrestling as well. Where like it was pretty taboo when I started to to float around um, both or all three of the promotions. And then a few guys, like, you guys know Chris Vice? Yeah. Well, Vice, started doing it. And he's such a horrifying individual that <laughs> nobody had anything to say about it. By then. <laughs> and that opens the door for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it did, a, it did a little bit. Um, shit, I wouldn't say anything to Vice either. No <laughs> chance. He could, he could come into my house, you know, force my girlfriend to make a mistake, and I'd sit by and watch. So, um, <laughs> So, yeah, it kind of opened the door a little bit. Uh, and it just, I saw it as an opportunity just to get better. I've always wanted to be a really good wrestler, if nothing else. If I, if I was a guy that never went anywhere and never did anything and, and nobody knew me, at least if I looked back on my matches, I could be proud of the work that I did. Um, and I just thought at the time, EPW running once every six to eight weeks, I just didn't think that I could develop enough um, doing that. So I made my own decision to, to bounce around and, and try and... Um, get as much experience as I could. And so, sometimes, you know, I've, I've had good and bad experiences all over Western Australia. So, um, but I, I wouldn't trade them because it's, it's made me have a better understanding of, of what it is to be an Australian wrestler. Um, there was a company uh, announced its arrival this week. I'm not sure if you're across that, Renegades of Wrestling. I did see that on Twitter, and, yeah. And Chris Fresh that, and... Um, uh, Mikey J and Chris Fresh. Yeah. Um, and we'll go into that a bit later. But... um. I, uh, I'm wondering, like, they've announced that they want to be national. Um, mm -hmm. So that must give you some hope that there might be that avenue to, to sort of get booked and um, maybe they travel to Perth, you get booked and then you're in front of them. And so when they travel, you can go with them. 
Yeah, well, I think hope is illegal in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if you get yourself excited with everything that comes along, you only end up being disappointed. But from what I understand, um, Chris, Chris Fresh and Mikey J are, uh, are really good at, at this. And uh, it seems like they're taking it seriously, rolling it out slowly, and they, they seem to have a business plan. So if something like that could work in this country, it's you know more places to work and, and a, um, just another experience to have. It's, it's definitely exciting. It must be exciting for a lot of the guys um, that are based in Victoria that are sort of in limbo at the moment to have the idea of another place to work. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they... Who they who they link with and who they announce because um, Mikey and Fresh definitely have a good eye for talent and a good eye for storytelling. So if anyone's going to make national work, I reckon they can do it. The dog um, agrees. Yeah, the dogs loves it. Loves a cameo. <laughs> and what what's your experience been like uh, going over to Adelaide for Wrestle Rampage? I know you're on the show in a couple of weeks on the sixth of November. What's what's yes. it been like as a whole? Uh, it's been awesome. I, um, Adelaide for, for Wrestling Rampage in particular for a lot of wrestlers around the country can be a little bit intimidating um, they just approach wrestling a little bit differently with like guys like Jag and, and, uh, and Jonah Rock that, that were sort of in, in charge of the ship at the time and now with um, AJ Istria being such a, a big player in Rampage it, it could be a little bit intimidating to go on and wrestle their way you know they're very influenced by Japan and, and for them what I've picked up on is like a great culture of if you're not training hard and, and you're not like putting in like proper hard yards, then you don't deserve to be on the shows. And while that's obviously we can all understand it's a good thing. It, it does intimidate some people. Um, but I, I had a great, great time wrestling at, at Wrestle Rampage. I, I appreciate the fact that it's important to them, to the locker room and the people involved. It's really, the Rampage is really important to them. Um, and they don't treat it as a joke. And if you're going to go there and be a part of it, then you need to, to buy in on uh, what it means to them as well. So I, I took my first experience at Rampage really seriously. I trained hard for it and was pretty happy with the way I went. Um, and then obviously going back, so I mustn't have shut the bed too bad. <laughs> and they got a really good locker room of guys. Like um, I think Tommy Knight is going to be like a, a proper Aussie top guy probably pretty soon. So um you know being around guys like him and, and corn dog and um like it was the first time i'd met istria going over there last time um yeah so so guys like him i think are, are really like really important in the landscape of aussie wrestling and south australian wrestling as well we're having a chat earlier on today in our little group chat about the amount of aussie wrestlers that are currently overseas and just be careful with what you talk about from the group chat. Tony. No, no, that's all right. I <laughs> just want to get your thought as a as a, a an Australian wrestler. Are you surprised that a major company from overseas hasn't set up a base here in Australia yet to try and utilize that sort of remaining talent that's still here and and get them to to work their way before the possibility of them going overseas? Because obviously there's still a fair bit of untouched talent here. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that like there's a pretty big well to um, I don't know if there's a saying there. I was going to say well to mine, but that's not a thing. <laughs> there's a pretty big array of talent here that they could definitely um, you know get something out of. Uh, I don't know if I'm surprised. I don't know how much. I don't know how much I'm supposed to say about. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago, the the WWE came here on tour and and they 
um, I wouldn't, it was, wasn't a tryout, but they had a look at some of the Aussie guys mm. and um, there, a few wrestlers congregated in Melbourne for that. Um, and there was a, a little bit of a whisper then that they were interested in setting up some kind of like uh, base in this part of the world, whether it was Australasia or whatever it was. Um, and then, you know, obviously New Japan's dipped their toes into Australian wrestling a little bit as well. But like the, the guys and girls that we have overseas at the moment are, are like the best advertising um, for our scene possible. Like people like, uh, if I start naming names, I'll forget people, but, you know, Robbie Eagles and, and Rhea Ripley and um, like Shane Thorne was a big mentor to me. So when, when I started training, Shane was in uh, Noah and he'd blown his knee out. So he came back to, to Perth to do his rehab. And he sort of uh, started taking training and I'd been training for about four months. So that was the time where I'd, I'd kind of like, I knew the, the bare minimum and just needed to build on it. And then he took over training. So a lot of the habits and stuff I have in wrestling uh, are from Shane. Um, so having all these, these guys that are, and girls that are so talented is just, um, it's changed. I think it's changed the way that wrestling fans see Australia uh, yeah. as a whole. And so if a, promote, if a major promotion wants to, to cash in on that and, and start something here, I think that um, it would only lead to more opportunities. And, and there's a lot of people that are in that category that, that aren't in that position. You know, like, um, you know, God bless David Storm. It, it's, it was as good as a lot of the guys that have come and gone from international wrestling companies. And, um, you know, some people just, just don't get their crap. But if they were to base here, then somebody like him would be, like such a such a good asset to any major company, whether it's you know as a performer or or in a coaching role or something like that, or just a human being to be associated with. We're a big just like, big big fans of Dave. Just pay him to be in the locker room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just an ambassador for the yeah, like um, <laughs> like ha- like Haslam at the Miami Heat, who doesn't play anymore, but he's just on the on the squad. <laughs> just about. Yeah, I like um, it. Uh, I'm told that you're a big Stan Hansen fan. Is that right? <laughs> Yes, definitely. It's probably not that hard to tell if you watch my <laughs> matches. Um, but I think that, like, you know, I mean, it's not a particularly long answer, but when I started watching, I, I watched WWE my whole childhood. For, like, I can't remember a time where I didn't. And then when I was, like, in year 12, uh, I realised that there was wrestling that that uh, existed outside of WWE. So I sort of went back and, and, you know, picked different little scenes and times. And for some reason, like, the, the 80s and 90s, like, Japanese stuff because it was so obscure I felt like I was like I was the guy that knew all about I knew more about wrestling than everybody else and uh I latched on to guys like Stan Stan Hansen and and Bruiser Brody and um I love that kind of stuff man I'm all over it were you tape trading then or was it uh all Japan torrents and stuff I was a I used yeah torrents so we I used to get my advice from the forums and people would tell you on the forums where the good torrents were at Sometimes it's not what you thought you were downloading, but that's all right. Uh, no, I, I watched some some Japanese videos that weren't wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Took me longer than I'd like to admit to realize too. Um, EP, EPW, you're um, now uh, starting to dip your foot into the your toe into the waters of training. How's that been? As a different way of looking at wrestling, as taking the trainings. Yeah. Yep um it's been uh interesting i was real like real bad at it at the start i don't know why i just couldn't like string sentences together i've i've like i've you know been so many places and been around so many great guys that have been really forthcoming with advice um 
And I tried to parlay that, but like all in one session. So these beginners would start and I'd just be like rambling on about, you know, some wrestling psychology and stuff. And they haven't even taken their first roles yet. <laughs> but I think um, uh, with experience and, and uh, Damien Slater was like a, a big mentor to me, especially when he moved to Perth. So when he moved to Perth, he took over the, the uh, advanced classes for EPW. Um, and he, his way, because you know, he's a, I'm sure he's said this himself in podcasts. I'm not divulging any information, but he's a school teacher. So, you know, him um, uh, and Gavin McGavin as well. Those two guys sort of parlaying their, their talent for educating people and then mixed with their wrestling knowledge. It's sort of, I've sort of tried to follow his mold. Um, and then I, in the last few months, I've, I've done a better job of making it my own. Um, and then at the Royal Show last week, we ran like a week of shows at the Royal Show. Uh, and a, a couple of the guys that I trained um, from the bottom up had their first sort of singles matches and things like that. So it was really rewarding. It wasn't something I saw myself doing yet, um, but I, I, found, uh, I found it to be like really satisfying, actually, more than I thought it would be. And we were spending three months with Lance Storm. Um, what, have you, what have you tried to take from his class you know, to bring into your own? And I'm assuming it's not having six wrestlers in your second house. <laughs> Um, for three months either. <laughs> no, I did buy a second house for six months. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've taken so much from Lance. Like, I had such a um, everybody that comes back from Lance is six. I had a really good relationship with Lance because they kind of want to be over with the boys. But I felt like I had a really good relationship with Lance, and he um, it, he he really like took time to impart like these really important lessons on me that probably weren't part of what he teaches everybody, but um, I was curious and I would ask a lot of questions and stuff like that. So um, I guess that Lance was really good at reading people and, and the amount that they were putting in, he would sort of, you know, steer people to where they needed to be. So there's people that come in and really struggle um, and they need different sort of feedback um, than somebody that takes to it really naturally and, and is really motivated. Um, so trying to split the class, not split the class up, but, you know, give people what they need individually to make everyone as a group move forward. Um, and then obviously just a lot of the actual wrestling lessons that, that Lance taught, um, I try to teach them the exact way he taught them because uh, Julian Ward from, from Perth WA with 300 matches isn't going to teach somebody better than Lance Storm did. So I just do it the way he did it. You're a Frio boy, Julian. Is that correct? Absolutely. You still Frio. live there now? Sort of. Uh, I bought my first house with the Canada money that I had saved up. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're 10 minutes south of Freer. So yeah, still Freer people. Fantastic place to stay fit. Uh, just a beautiful place, Fremantle. Do you surf? I can't. Uh, um, are you Italian? Yeah, your last yeah. name looks like it's Italian there. Yeah. My yeah so obviously all... he doesn't surf either. <laughs> the, the chili mussels in Fremantle are just absolutely amazing. Have you spent some time here, have you? Yeah, yeah, I've been there a few times. Yeah, chili mussels are little creatures. Correct. Yeah. Little little creatures on a on a on a sunny afternoon is a is a fantastic yeah. way to spend it after it. Right. Stop it. Mind you, it tends not to be a late night if you do that because I run out of petrol pretty early. <laughs> uh, there's places to go in Freo if you want to refuel <laughs> um, <laughs> no I'm, I'm uh, there's an ongoing joke in, in Western Australia um, in, in, we're, we're like 
people that are from Freya don't shut up about being from Freya. So I'm going to cop some shit if I continue to talk about it. But it's like a, it's a real, like, you can be from Perth, but being from Freya is just, just a little bit different, you know, where we're a port city and there's a different culture down here and it's um it's just a little bit different and I'm, I'm proud to be from Freya, sure. But it's exactly the same in Adelaide. Adelaide and Port Adelaide people are totally exactly the same. There's just this this angst from Adelaide people against <laughs> Port Adelaide people. The same have as you Perth been to, Have you been to Port Adelaide? Yeah, no, I totally understand it. Oh. <laughs> Somebody told me it was pretty grim. I thought it sounded really nice. I don't know if they were really no, no, or it's what. Yeah, is it? Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a good American barbecue place in Port Adelaide, and that's about it. You might have to send it to me so I can put it on the list for uh, next time I'm there. Yeah. Just don't, no, just don't, just don't take a wrong turn and end up in Elizabeth. <laughs> okay. No, sounds like Tony's about to pitch a. Yeah. Well, no, it's the same with Perth, isn't it? If, you, if you're ever looking for extra training as a wrestler, just go get a job as a security <laughs> bloke in Northbridge. I mean, it's yeah, a fantastic way <laughs> to do extra training. I mean, look, Freya is one of those things where it's like the locals get the best of Freya because uh, if you're in the, the wrong area of Freya at the wrong time, it can get pretty grim. Yeah. But once you know where you're going, best place on earth. <laughs> um, what's it been like with uh, EPW? I'm going to go back to wrestling here. Um, mm-hmm. what's, it been, what's it been like for EPW since they've uh, taken over Schwa as a, as a sister promotion? Uh, it was really good because I came the champ. So I know I was um, gonna, you are the champ. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's good. It's um, it's not quite like a developmental territory, but there are definitely people that get chances to do their thing on schwa shows that probably wouldn't. Um, if, like the the EPW Gate One shows, it's like it's quite hard to crack onto that that roster. You know, it's they're not. Um, there's only so many spots. And we have a lot of trainees, probably more than a lot of different places do. So Schwa coming in has just meant, you know, a place that the the up and coming wrestlers can get out in front of a crowd, paying crowd, and and uh, go through the whole experience and, and you know polish their craft um, and try and get noticed to get on gate one shows. And then there's a few locker room leaders in there that do a good job, like helping the guys along. Like the um, you guys know the Don. The Don's like a great. Um, he's a great person to have in the locker room. He's, he's a really good wrestler as well, obviously, but um, he he's just like really important to the younger younger wrestlers and and really like in wrestling sometimes people want you to be good but but not as good as them. Um, whereas the Don's like he seems like he's he's genuinely invested in in the young guys of Perth, the young guys and girls of Perth, um, getting as good as they possibly can. So. Those type of people are the people you want, you know, at the head of the ship, and he's uh, like an integral part of of running the Schwa show. So um, it's going good so far. Is it a different crowd? Yes, it is a little bit. EPW kind of made a uh, like a conscious effort to. It seemed like the way that wrestling was going that the people that were going to spend the most money and get the most invested um, in the product were like the the eighteen to twenty five to thirty sort of plus year olds, whereas um, a lot of our audience was like, um, you know, the families and, and kids and stuff like that. And the problem with them is they come and, you know, the kids come and the parents have a laugh at the wrestling and the kids jump around and then they don't come back for a year. So we, we sort of geared towards, um, you know, trying to make a product that would really reel in that, that uh, the demographic wow. as everyone tweets on. <laughs> and Schwarz, yeah, exactly. And Schwa's gone more toward... Um, 
like family friendly shows that, that everybody can enjoy. So, and it's good balance for the Perth scene as well. Give you the opportunity to work in front of different crowds is good for the development of a wrestler as well, I would assume. God, yeah. Like, it's probably the first five years of my career that uh, my sole purpose was getting my shit in. Um, <laughs> and yeah, in the last sort of few years, I've realized that um, the way to get over is to give the crowd what they want because everybody likes somebody that gives them what they want. So, you know, whether it's a, a bloodthirsty 18 to, you know, 18 to 25 crowd or if it's a family crowd, you've got to change the way you approach you know, putting matches together and whatnot um, just to maximise the reaction and, and whatnot. I was going to ask you about that character development and whether you're a, a wrestler that likes to develop a character at your pace or has been involved with Damien Slater and Marcus Pitt as part of the Untouchables. Has that helped you develop at a faster pace? Uh, definitely be. That's the one side of wrestling that I've struggled with the most and, and I still do to this day. Um <laughs> Like I came from playing uh, footy and stuff like that was my background. So transitioning into wrestling, um, I didn't find the physical side of it particularly difficult. Um, I kind of like took to it like a duck to water as far as, you know, the the rolling and bumping and footwork and, and that went. But I, I really hit a, a road bump when it came to character development. I, um, it's just, uh, it's something I struggle with. So I, I had to really put in more effort than a lot of the guys did. And I, I think that, there does seem to be that divide where there's some people that know their character inside out and can get over, but just battle with like the fundamentals of wrestling. And then there's the opposite, which, which would be me, but being around um, Slater and Marcus Pitt, um, it, it completely changed like both the way that I viewed my character and the way that the crowd viewed me. Um, I, I definitely owe those guys a lot because I wasn't, I certainly wasn't on their level when they put me in the untouchable stable um and then throughout you know just soaking up everything that they were doing the, the crowd sort of started to see me uh as an equal and um uh, i became more confident that that i i did know what i was doing when it came to character work and, and i could get my character um i guess over with the crowd if you will so were you a backman or a forward when you were playing footy i played on the wing oh okay so you're a neutral type of character that's where I played, Tony. Oh, but you're, you're very neutral. Uh, very easy to be a heel <laughs> when you're a defender and very easy yeah. to be a face when you're a forward. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I never thought about it like that. I feel like the forwards, are they're always the heels, especially if they're playing against your team. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. Play, playing as a wingman as a footballer is like being a young wrestler. you just got to get oh, your oh, shit oh, in. Oh. Don't worry yeah, about exactly. what you, yeah, yeah, yeah. the defensive side of footy. It's, it's what I want to do. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's, <laughs> that's how I approached it. Yeah. Well, have, have, being in the in the stable with with uh, Marcus and Damien, obviously their their in ring talent is some of the best in Australia. But you know their character work and them both knowing their characters, probably two of the best guys in the country to sit under the learning tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, both like really good at um, different things. Like I. I can't exemplify enough like Marcus Pitt is um he's like so 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 good like so good it's such a travesty that he um yeah isn't on tv every week um and he wasn't that far off a couple of times but he um he's so like adaptable he's done everything in in wrestling in terms of like the way that he's been used on shows and and the the way he's presented his character um 
And like, he's completely 180 that with what he's doing now, even to what he was doing like a year ago in the untouchables. Um, but if you, you know, what I realized when, when I was watching the show on the weekend, I was watching his entrance and I was like, it made me feel really insecure because I was like, shit, man, I, I don't know my character like that. Like, you know, I, I know what I'm doing and, and like, I believe every step that I take once I go through the curtain, but he's on another level. It's like, he's fully like, like fucking dude looked possessed. Like he looked like he was fully possessed by the, the Marcus Pitt um, that was on APW shows. And then Slater's like, he's different. He, he's, um, he doesn't do anything like extravagantly character oriented. But he never, ever, ever, ever does anything that Damien Slater wouldn't do. It, he ne it's never, there's never a point where you're watching him where you feel weird because it's everything he does is on brand. And that's just um, like, just, you know, it just comes with being on such a high level. There's not that many guys in the world that are, are, are much better than those guys. They're, they're right in that mix. And then it's just, you know, from there, it's just a matter of opportunities and whatnot. But, but I truly believe that, that Pitt and Slater are like, yeah, two of the best wrestlers in the world. I, I don't feel weird saying that at all. I think if you were in Perth and you saw them every month, you'd, you'd feel the same way if you don't already. Yeah. Well, well speaking of uh, on the weekend, um, it was touch and go that we were going to have you on because you did beat up a good friend of ours, uh, Davis <laughs> Storm. Um, yeah. What's it like getting in the ring with him? Any chance you've got? Um, he, I wrestled Dave in my first ever match, you know, not eight, nine years ago. Um, and then wrestled him on the weekend. That's pretty much the only two times we've ever wrestled. Um, but it's it's different. It's different. It's um, like what I said with about uh, Marcus Pitt rings true with Dave as well. He's like he he is Davis Storm all the time. Um, and it's like when when you wrestle him in the like the circumstances that we wrestled each other where. Uh, I don't know if you saw the hype package, but the I guess the context of the match was that you know, EPW is and always will be David Storm's baby. And that if I was tracking toward the EPW championship and I had to go through him first. And when, when he was saying those things to me, um, like I really believed them. And I think he believes them too. And you know, whether we both admit it or not, I think he fully believed that if I hadn't proved myself to him, then I hadn't, done, I hadn't earned shit yet. Um, and there was a part of me that believed that as well. Um, so going into that match, I certainly felt a lot of pressure. Um, and then like, without giving away too much, when we were in there, um, it, like just, it was just an intensity that, that not a lot of guys carry themselves with. Um, like he, he wants you to like, I, I try, I, I always end up cussing too much. I'll try not to, but, but he wants you to fucking go at him and, and he wants to go at you and, and he wants to, um you know he, he loves that kind of shit and, and and it's something that i've struggled to like you have to go to like a different place to bring all that out um and he took me there like like not a lot of other guys have um it was weird like at the end of the match i was kind of emotional which i like i said before i'm, I'm never emotional like you know I, I tend to deal with things pretty well um positive negative or otherwise but like, yeah, it was just an, a weird emotional experience wrestling him. He's just so good and so intense and um, like he's so passionate and, you know, he, he's, he feels it so much when he's out there and then he brings that out of the guys that he wrestles. So he, 
like just being in the proximity of the ring with him, you come out a million times better. Um, gives you something to draw on the next time you're, you're in a similar context. Fantastic stuff. Hey, it's been great talking to you, Julian. Really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the remainder of 2021 and what that brings and hopefully 2022 for all of us is a, a brand new start for everything and you can start maybe planning a future. Yeah. Anyway, Julian Ward joining us here on the Turnbuckle. Thanks for having me, guys. Turnbuckle and the Gorillas of Destiny firing squad theme right there. Why are we playing that, Lyle? I just thought it'd be a nice way to bring into the second segment of the show, Tony. The G1 finals. Good way to welcome Jules. I just thought it'd be a nice way to bring Jules in for the second half of the show. As we say, hello, Jules. Hello, Jules. Hello. How are we doing? Yeah, good, mate. Welcome aboard. Uh, you missed a great interview there. I'm sure you'll listen back to it. But uh, Julian Ward seems, from what we hear, an amazing amount of talent and uh, yet to be released. Right now, don't we just hear? We see it on EPW's yeah. um, releases. He's, his, um, his last 12 months of, like, I know he said EPW's last 12 months have been as good as anywhere in the world, but his last 12 months has been as good as anyone in Australia at the minimum. So, um, I'm hoping that we, when the world opens up, we start to see him get around the country. You were a former well, Perth person, Jules. Have you seen a, an improvement in his oh, development as a wrestler? I, I've been following him sort of quietly since about 2018 when he... Um, and loudly he, on occasion, I've heard. <laughs> when he was at the, the Dean um, against Lockie Hendricks and there was kind of talking WA versus Victoria match. And... Um, yeah, keenly followed him since then through his time in the Untouchables. And uh, he's really got around Perth and picked up some belts around uh, the other promotions in Perth as well. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see him um, travel a bit more because he's, um, yeah, very much untapped potential. Yeah. Well, there was big raps on him before he was going to leave the country pre-pandemic, um, you know, and now two years of non-stop training virtually in Perth under, you know, Mikey Nichols, Damien Slater, Davis... Yeah, you know, Marcus Pitt, Gavin McGavin. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a parade yeah. of it's a parade. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous over there. Unfortunately, they're an island to themselves, um, especially at the moment. Yes. Well, yeah. If you're from Adelaide, you can get there. One thing I will never forgive him for, though, is beating Showtime Clyde in SHWA. Showtime Clyde, absolute diamond geezer. Yeah. Is, is that why you heckled him drunkenly one night? 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> such a mild for showtime, Clyde. He's just retired. So, Saturday. all right, let's get into this week's topic, gentlemen. And uh, we kick it off with news of a, a brand new uh, promotion that's going to kick off in Australia in 2022 called the Renegades of Wrestling. Yeah, so the brainchild of Mikey J and Chris Fresh, who successfully were at the helm of MCW for for the golden years of Australian wrestling that we've had recently. Um, and they've, well, I mean, when this comes out, they'll have announced their first roster member, which um, is Lockie Hendricks, uh, who is one of, if not the best character worker in the country. Yeah. I see you're pumping your fist there, Tony. You wrapped with that announcement, mate. Fantastic for them. He's a, a very good worker. Oh, just just because I don't like him, I don't appreciate no. his work. Oh, sorry, I do appreciate his work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously have been outspoken in my love for, for young Lachlan, and he's a, he's a massive talent. So to, to have him as that first announcement, um, not surprising him and Chris Fresh, very close collaborators for a long period of time, but you just know that there's going to be some really enticing – Lover boy story that's going to be told, and um, and I'm there for it. Yeah, are we allowed to speculate on or who would well, want I mean, to be the next well, announcement? You can, can speak. Yeah. So, so there's this. So they're they're going to be a national promotion. So your ability to speculate is only um, only inhibited by your imagination, law, which is a fair inhibit inhibition for you. But um, yeah, well, I'm already thinking Lucky Hendricks. Um, <laughs> That's why, yeah. Again, well done. The, the lover boy, the guru. We get it, might say the guru finished that. That's three faces story. of Lockie, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, just Tom uh, <laughs> 60 minute uh, Lockie show. Um, but no, I'd we'll, watch we'll, that. You know, we'll, you'd think what you have a base of 10 to 12 contracted or semi contracted guys for nationally, and then you just go in each, each state, territory. And use local guys and girls. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think look at- that's a good idea. And then you can sort of um, get a look at people and work out how you can use them um, and then incorporate them into the storylines as you go. So they can rotate people in and out of that main sort of roster and, um, and never really run out of ideas. Yeah. So who do you want to see? I mean, I obviously want to see Royce because I want to see him everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, Julian Ward, who we just spoke to, he'd be great at the top of a national promotion. Um, you know, the untouchables in the tag division, you know, because they don't get the, the respect. Or singles. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, in, yeah, they can do both. But I see just them as a tag team, they could take Australian tag team to another level. You know, if they were on the eastern coast, you know, it'd be no brainer. They'd be the number one tag team. In the country, I've, I've already fantasy booked the long talked about tag team tournaments across Australia. This kind of is might be a uniting force to give us that where you can see, you know, velocities, untouchables, the, the, the best tag teams across every state just getting together. That would just yeah. blow my mind. I um, I, I, I'd like to see a lot of the, the up and coming younger wrestlers who we're not seeing a lot of um, in major promotions get an opportunity. I think there's a heap of wrestlers in. Promotions like um, PCW, for example, um, and in um, Ride City Wrestling, who 
are ready to go. They can, they could be used at the drop of a hat and, um, and they haven't been used a lot in outside of their home promotion. So there's that freshness to them. Yeah. Another big one I want to see is Tommy Knight in a national promotion. Like he could be our next, you know, just staying in the country, our next big guy. You know, he could take over the, the whole country um, with the work that he did that we've seen him in Deathmatch Down Under and what he's doing in Wrestle Rampage. I'm excited to see him if he gets, mm-hmm. a, gets the call up. And then there's a lot of obviously the the women who don't get who haven't had a lot of chances to wrestle in the last 12, 18 months. Um, there, I know that there's some women training um, at at some of the schools that haven't even had their first match yet. Who the reps on them are really high. So I've got no concern for how good women's wrestling in Australia is going to be over the next twelve months. And yeah. it's it's with wrestlers that we haven't even seen yet. But um, I'd really like to see. Uh, Jess Troy get a huge run around the country, um, obviously, and um, yeah, Edith uh, Knight and Delta. Oh, Edith Knight, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The matches you can make up with a national promotion, like yeah. Cherry like Stevens. Um, there's no, there's actually no ceiling on what she can do um, yeah. at her age as well. Stella Nix as well from Perth. You've got Lena Cross, who is legit one of the best wrestlers. Um, full stop. Yeah, it's um. The question I want to know is: Do they need a commentator or a MC or something? Or um, I don't know. Message them. Oh, yeah. okay. I'll 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 just ask Andy Coyne if um, the good, if he's the good news is the good news is is that it gives us another team in WrestleMania to beat next year. Well, we are the champions. That's right. Yes, yes we are collectively. Um, do we? Do we get um, Jules' name engraved retroactively on that trophy? Um, I've got to find where it's been put because I put it up. When we moved into this new house, I put that trophy up on the mantle. It's been moved. I've got to work out where it's been put. Um, I keep putting it back. Jules is like the relay runner that runs in the heat but doesn't actually make it in the final but still gets a medal anyway. (laughs) I mean, well, you didn't go to the final either. No, I, let's just say it's That's like a cross between Freebird Rule and I'll be like NWO 2000 or the Heidenreich in the, the Road Warriors reboot. Yeah, the I'm New like, Day. Um, <laughs> yeah, perfect. You're, you're, um, you're the Disco Inferno incarnation of the NWO. Oh, that hurts. Oh, oh, harsh. That hurts. That's harsh. Speak, Poor speaking Disco. Of, speaking of finals, talk to us about the G1 finals, boys. Yeah, start um, for this. I think the um, obviously uh, my my fantasy booking was to have Zack Saber Junior have the same run as he did in the um, in the New Japan Cup in 2018. Looked pretty good, didn't work out. Um, so my, my favourite vegan got beat. It's it's a cruel world. And where's but, Jules on that list? No, well, all right, he's my second favourite then. I thought your first favourite vegan retired. We had him on the show a couple of months ago. Richie. Yeah. All right, so Zack Saber Junior is my third favourite. Who's Zach Saber Jr. Where's Charlie Evans on that list? Uh, well, he's my fourth favourite now. <laughs> well, now, my... that he, now that he lost <laughs> the other night, he might not even be in the top five. Who, what, who is he? Zach Saber Jones. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> uh, it, I think it's been a really well booked uh, tournament. You know, with um, Naito going down with the knee injury early, obviously had to shuffle some things and you know some draws and. 
Um, I didn't think I, I would say it, but um, Yano and Ishii had one of my favourite <laughs> matches. I, I thought I was my only one when I sent that in the uh, group chat. Uh, so I was happy that a couple other people did enjoy it because uh, Yano can wrestle um, when he needs to or wants to. That's not his shtick, but uh, Ishii brought the fight out of him for, you know, it wasn't long, but he did. Um, so that was good. And he defeated him too. Shenanigans. Oh, I, yeah. I love it. What do you think, Jules, about Coda going to the finals for his fourth year in a row? No, I'm, I'm just not. I'm not having it in any way as a Pushing. booking decision or as a prediction. Yeah. Look, I, th- I think it's been it's been super great. I, I, I have you right about that um, Yano issue match. Um, you know, he's got, he's got an amateur background. Um, and also, you know, shout out to uh, Tangalara as well. And to Zack Sabre Jr., that's another match where they switched up their, their styles and it was much more of a striking match. So I think that they've done really well. But, but look, I think it's... Um, I don't know. My prediction and my wish is that Okada gets to uh, has to go through United Empire to get to Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. That's that's what I'm calling. But um, I'm never right. Yeah, never right. I did like Zack Sabre Jones versus Tangaloa. Just the technical side, and then mixed in with the power moves. You know, I he worked probably four or five minutes of the match while. Zack Sabre Jones was on his back, on his hips. He was carrying him around. Um, Good old Jonesy. Yeah, Jonesy. Uh, yeah. Like a, trying to turn him into a pretzel, but the power moves were getting him out of it. I thought they told a really good story. Um, I know, Cobbs, Jules Cobbs, turned, the, turned the TV off in disgust after that match. He didn't even watch the main event afterwards. No, the, the, the very second that the pin was counted, TV was off. You missed wow. an amazing match. Um, you, you vegans stick together, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You uh, but I'm an Akada guy, and Akada loves his beef balls. So, you know, <laughs> you can't have it your, your own way. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Cobb versus Okada. Is that tonight? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tonight. Tomorrow, yes. last night. Last night, last night. Uh, so no spoilers. Um, yes, Okada won. Yes, Cobb won. Edit those in, Tony, whichever one. Uh, Obviously, you'll one get one. the wrong one. Exactly. The Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> hey, uh, we're all a bit upset over the last few months as Aussies were being cut from the WWE list, but the great news is they're starting to find new homes. Buddy Murphy's found... New Japan and the Iconics to impact. Buddy Matthews. Buddy, Buddy, Buddy Matthews. Matthews. Sorry. Buddy Matthews, Tony. Greg's younger brother. Yeah. Uh, he's going to New Japan and the Iconics are off to impact. Yeah, yeah. I think New Japan's a really good fit for um, for Buddy because um, he has been hungry. He's been really hungry and not getting the opportunities that he probably believes that he deserves over the last three years. So now he's going to get that opportunity to go into New Japan and um, and really show everyone how far he's come since he signed with WWE. It's incredible that the amount of Australian talent in New Japan now, and they're not being bundled together either. So when you think about Aussie Open, who are there in, in United Empire, uh, obviously Robbie, Mikey, Buddy, it's just... I think we're just feeding um, the global stage like no other country, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
it would be a really good landing point for Jonah as well if that's where he ends up. Like, um, I'm not sure where Jonah's looking at the moment or who he's talking to, but I see New Japan as a really would be a really good landing place for him as well because it would be comfortable. It suits his style, and I think he'd be over. Yeah, well, he's got he's already based in America. The New Japan American shows, the the strong shows, they're perfect for for Jonah. You know, imagine, We'd need imagine a him going permit. up. Oh yeah, yeah, that that of course, you know, and in, he could be a surprise on the November show. You know, Battle of the Valley, where Buddy is is um, debuting. Look, he, you know, he's released a good hype video. You know, where he's he had those questions of. You know, is it worth it? You know, am I good enough? I think we're going to see the best of him. He's, if he can do some independence in the, while in America before getting to Japan, um, you know, PWG would love to have Buddy Matthews. Um, or, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And the impact to, uh, and sorry, the iconics to the Impact Wrestling? Yeah, the inspiration. Yeah. They got a title match on uh, Sunday or Monday. Um Impact Bound for Glory. So, uh, yeah, that's good. They were really, they're really good, fun act. They deserve think, yeah. to be on TV. Yeah. Impact um, also like really do invest in their women's division. So, um, like a, a lot of a lot of women are going to sign with Impact because they know that they're going to be treated with respect and they're not going to be sort of plonked at the bottom of the card or, yeah. or the old um, piss breakers, as it were. So I think, um, matches. yeah, I think this is really good. The girls will get a chance to actually show that they can wrestle because they haven't had that opportunity. I mean, Peyton occasionally would, but um, yeah, or Cassie, but um, that yeah, Jess hasn't really had a chance to wrestle in years properly. Yeah, yeah. Tenille yeah. Dashwood's on the card as well. Yeah, there's Aussies everywhere. You know, easily. Getting overlooked, Tanil. It's because for year for like for two years they haven't been allowed to come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but we're not talking about the forbidden door anymore. And Impact is a really smart move because it opens the door to AEW New Japan. All those matches, the independent scene. You know, you're looking at Charlie Evans spending three months over there with GCW and the other Indies. You, you think about um, you know Shazza McKenzie's going over next year. Um, it's it's a it's a real flexibility across that pretty deep uh, women's scene of Australian wrestlers. Yeah. Nah, it's a good, good time to be in America. Like Robbie Eagles, you know, I think it was a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, in the ring with Jay White. You know, that was an amazing match. You know, Jay White actually worked a Robbie Eagles match instead of the stalling and, you know, the interference and showed everyone that Jay White can actually... Oh. How good Go. is Robbie going at the moment, though? Like, he's amazing. Mate, look, look, look what he, the, the match that he's in on the on the weekend. Him and Chris Dickinson versus Chris Bay and Al Fantasmo again, which that feud is not going away anytime soon. But getting teaming up with Dickinson, Dickinson, you know, it's amazing, you know. And you know, if Jonah Rock shows up on New Japan Strong, seeing him across the ring from Chris Dickinson because he's severely underrated as a worker in my eyes. Um, it's exciting. Also exciting is the battle that's happening between AEW and WWE in the ratings. Is it a war, boys? Is it? No, um, not yet. No? No. Nah. I, I, 
I think when the the TV dollars come up, when it is, because I don't think it's a war, because you can watch anything at your own leisure now. No one has to have two VCRs going and swapping. You know, I think they released some numbers that there's not that back and forth. Like, I know they went head-to-head for that half an hour during ad breaks and stuff. No one was swapping back. You can watch things in your own time on streaming services and everything like that. Um, and the products are so bloody different. Um, so did, I, I do uh, enjoy the occasional shots across the bow by both, like Roman Reigns coming out saying what he did. That's good for fans to talk about in a fun way of wrestling. I don't, you don't have to be a cheerleader for either side. Just sit back and enjoy. Which way you like. Yeah. yeah. Look, honestly, obviously, we want the WWE products to be better. And it's not the in-ring that's the problem. It's it's boring TV a lot of the time, and that's the issue. Um, and like people can say, oh, but this week's episode of Raw was better, or this week's episode of SmackDown was good. And you've got to judge it by as a TV program, and they're not good TV programs. So why am I going to invest three hours and watch Raw when I can watch any other TV show? Because that's yeah. who your competition is. Like when I decide if I'm going to watch a two-hour wrestling or a three-hour wrestling program, it's not competing against other wrestling programs. It's competing for my time against other entertainment. Like, would I rather watch the Lakers? Would I rather watch a Liverpool game? Would I rather watch Ted Lasso? Um, and at the moment, the answer is I'd rather watch those other shows than, than WWE, and that's where they've got to improve. They've got to improve their TV show um, because it's, it's boring. Um, whereas AEW... It's easier to digest. It's a two-hour show. I don't really, I don't really watch a lot of Rampage because yeah, it's not that good. Um, but Dynamite, it's two hours. If you watch it without ads, it's an hour and forty minutes, hour and thirty minutes, and it's better TV. It feels like a sporting contest, and at the moment, it's it's I'd, I'm more inclined to watch Dynamite than I am WWE at all. Like, yeah, I've watched WWE. I don't even remember the last time. And I think that's where it becomes a competition or war, whichever way you want to put it, when it stops being about numbers and people are looking at demos and ratings and they start talking about the reach and, and how it does compare against other, other genres, um, for sure. But, you know, um, on Rampage, I mean, you know, the best match I've, I've seen in the last week was at the buy-in for Rampage, which was Minoru Suzuki and, and Brian Danielson. So it keeps you on your toes in where you need to look. But yeah, like, but but that buy-in, I mean, it's almost a stupid thing to do because if you're trying to get people to switch over from SmackDown, I'm not going to switch over for something that's on YouTube that I can watch tomorrow or afterwards. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think it was smart. It got people talking and it got people talking about the war and things like that. But putting your best matches on free on YouTube, I don't know if that's the best decision that you can make either. If they put that on Rampage opening the show, I reckon people are turning over. But doesn't that say that it's not about live TV and making decisions on the, the day and it's about actually when people look at it yeah. after it after the, yeah. the airing and that's what creates the buzz? Yeah, and I, know, I think maybe, you know, look, seeing Tony Khan come out and, you know, press releases and tweets and stuff, he didn't want to do that, put it on the TV show that I'm competing, putting my best match of the week or the last couple of weeks. Yeah, if you guys are going to go head to head, well, I'm going to counter 
this. You know, he does he doesn't want to be that counter programming like NXT did when they moved to Wednesday nights. Publicly, he he might not want it, but you can watch it whenever you like. Did it will it hurt your viewing if you watch that YouTube match on a delay? No, if you stay away from spoilers, which is pretty easy to do if you stay away The winner of that match, match is not important. Mm. Sorry? The winner of that match isn't important. Well, like it's not. It's a exhibition match. Well, it's a dream match in the making. But yeah. It's it's a thank you to wrestling fans and probably to uh, uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Bryan what Danielson, I mean, no, really, because no you could stakes. see. Yeah, there's you no could stakes, see him. so spoilers are unimportant. Yeah. Like, even with spoilers, different... that's not going to get me to not watch it. Yeah, no, no, of course not. The big difference between, I find, with WWE and AEW product, I watch an AEW show. Do I like everything on it? No. But do I have what, fun? Watching it, yes. Because yeah, if you with WWE though, if you watch a bit of the show that you don't like, the good part is you'll get to watch that same match three weeks in a row. That too, um, obviously. Well, you know, you, you see the contrast. You got Edge versus Seth Rollins. Um, I don't know how many times they've been in a ring. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I don't know how many times they've been in a ring, but it feels like they've been in the ring together forever. And I. I that's just the feeling I get because it just seems like it's there's no new guys getting to the top of the cards. Um, the crowds are a massive part. That's why NXT takeovers were so great for so many years. You know, people forget how good the crowds were there. AEW obviously has the better buying from their crowds. They're having fun from, you know, majority of the shows. It's, yeah. You know, when you watch the Royal Rumble and one of the great parts of a Royal Rumble is when two guys who never interact come face to face and you, you feel the expectation within the crowd and everyone's like oh my god like these two guys are finally gonna touch like in a Keith, wrestling ring like keith lee and yeah, brock lesnar exactly like that what, right? what, why, why didn't wwe go with the crowd there the crowd basically just told you what you could do for the next three months and you well, didn't but what i'm what i'm trying to get at is why do then why would promotions not keep their top stars apart because like what what um uh, what what AEW have done well is um, Kenny and um, Hangman they haven't really been in the same storylines um, while they've done like you know, Kenny beat Hangman and then Hangman went off and did his own thing and now he's circled back and it means something if he'd been wrestling Kenny or in, interacting with Kenny the whole way through it, it would mean less you've got to keep guys apart. Yeah. So that when but, they come together, it feels special. You have to remember that the WWE ethos is you don't like what you like, you like what I tell you you like. Yeah, yeah. and and they treat wrestling fans as they they're not smart enough to grasp a two year storyline. Like the yeah. Hangman Kenny Omega storylines, two years in the making, and it's been yeah, but, subtle all the way, all the way. And I, I said it months ago. I still believe Hangman will be the first person in AEW to kick out of the One Winged Angel, and they were telling us that eighteen months ago. Without yeah, but the good thing is, like Kenny, face. but Kenny, Kenny, and um, Hangman have both gone off and told different stories in the meantime. So it's like um, it hasn't been like a two a two year story where because if WWE wanted to tell a two year story, we'd be watching them wrestle each other That's for two years. Yeah. Um, 
when AEW have done it with this with this particular storyline, and not all their storylines are good, and a lot of them don't pay off, but this particular one, the beauty of it's been that Kenny's been the belt collector. Kenny Kenny's been babyface then heel, and Hangman's been doing his thing with the Dark Order, and then he's doing his solo stuff, and it's their own. Like if you came on late, you don't even know that they're circling back to each other. Yeah. Um, but you're still entertained by those characters. And it's still, even for someone who started watching AEW a year ago, they're still looking forward to these two coming together because of the other stories they've told in the meantime. Yeah. That's, even, that's, it, where, that's where a long-term yeah. storybooking is beautiful. It's when it's not relying on the, on the payoff at the end. Yeah. Even if you've, you come on recently with the Brian Danielson and CM Punk, you might not have seen Hangman because he went home for the birth of his uh, child. So you wouldn't know. But the reaction that he got when he walked back out, the crowd told, told the people that didn't know who he was that he's the next big thing or he's a he's major someone. star. He's, he's someone important. You know, and him telling that story of him not having the confidence to see all his friends go off and do these great things and win titles and leave him behind and him not, you know, fighting the dark side and not wanting to turn heel and stuff. I just, I think it's been told really good subtly. It's why, it's why I love 205 Live because storylines don't matter. It's a half hour show. Just get out there and wrestle. And if you're interested in 205 Live and Matty Wahlberg, there's a great story, uh, 9.com.au on their website under the wide world of sports uh, about Matty Wahlberg and the Grayson Waller character. Have a read of that. It, uh, it comes up pretty good. I read that, Tony. I thought that was a, a really good piece. Yeah. Well, of course good. you've read it. Tony sent it in the group chat every hour and a half. He typed yeah. it out word for word. And it was and his seriously, own. And seriously, yeah, because he saw that I hadn't clicked on it. If Grayson Waller doesn't get to host Halloween Havoc, then fair come I'm giving up. Uh, uh, spoiler, he, Tony. He, he lost. He, oh, he lost earlier today. He's not hosting. They've lost me now. Uh, LA Knight is hosting uh, Halloween Havoc. Um, That's just ridiculous. Yeah, but even even there, like, there's Indy Hartwell tagging with her best friend, Steph Delander, on national they're television. Gonna have, they're going to have a title shot, aren't they? Uh, yeah, there's a... Oh, what's it called? Pick, spin the wheel, make a deal, uh, three... Tag team match at Halloween Havoc on the weekend. Was it a version of The Price is Right or something? Uh, <laughs> you got that little ukulele. Come yeah, on guys down. Going up there. <laughs> Will out the corpse. Come on Will out, down. Will out Steph the corpse of baby John Burgess. Yeah, so. <laughs> There's Aussies oh. everywhere at the minute. Duke Hunter is a poker player, um, which was funny that he uh, he hinted at selling off and auctioning off uh, Rear's stolen gear and belt. Um, that happened over <laughs> over the weekend. That's oh, classic yeah, Elliot, that was Elliot Sexton. That's um, yeah. If it's you want to watch Aussie wrestling, they're in Duke, every streaming Duke service, Hudson, every company. Yeah, hey, uh, off the back of our chat last week with the uh, with the promotions around Australia in regards to how wrestling is going to reopen, it's great to see that we've been given some idea from the governments now as to what the next month or two sort of hold, and as a result. Uh, there's Sydney and Melbourne promotions that are now starting to sell tickets to upcoming shows, which is great. I think uh, PCW have their first show the second week of November. I think MCW have got a uh, new fusion show starting in December, which is uh, which is good for the Melbourne fans. 
Yeah, I mean, even PWA have got a show in December. Yeah, uh, as part of a like as part of a, a rock a punk show. Um, so it's great to see a lot of companies starting to open up. And Jules, you made a good point. It's the best time now to you know start supporting the companies that you love. Like start to to buy tickets and get behind them. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no need to have um, there's there's no wars in Australian wrestling. There's no sides. There's no companies against companies. It's all going to get so much more organic. The flow between because people are itching to to get out there and, and cross the the territories. So yeah, look, you know, you've got DMDU doing a show as well in December. It, the only thing I've ever I've ever wanted is for people not to book on the same night. Um, and if that happens, well, it's almost then, impossible, but. Um... Well, it's going to happen every now and then. Hmm. Um, the MCW resuming outdoor training next middle of next week. You know, seeing these little things, the light at the end of the tunnel. Of you know, it's been a shit two years for us in you know Melbourne more than anywhere. But um, yeah, be able to buy tickets to a show in it for a couple of weeks is uh, it's exciting. Um, we'll Actually, what's, that. what's important is that, that I don't think any of us as fans are the judge of what good wrestling is. No. We've all got we've all got access to something that we enjoy, I think, now, where, wherever you, you're based. So let's just love it and enjoy it. Actually, you're spot on, Jules, and uh, I, I, I know I'm not talking out of school here, but I can give uh, our podcast a little bit of an exclusive in regards to the fact that uh, there is a an independent commission being put together by Victorian Wrestling Promotions to try and improve wrestling here in victoria for the wrestler for the promoters and for the fans so as a collective it's looked that uh it's hoped that all the victorian promotions will get together and start to set down some ground rules on how promotions should be run on how wrestlers should be treated and on how fans also should get uh their their worth as well so yeah, they'll need um They'll need a big name to sort of manage that situation. Well, totally. And funnily enough, uh, I'm available. I'm the position of the what? independent chairman of that uh, of that group. So chairman, so somewhere like sitting down, I assume. Yeah, I wanted the term commissioner, but they wouldn't give it to me. So I've gone with chairman. Well, it's you. It's you. Yes, it's me. I yeah. thought he was doing a bit. I no, thought you were no, doing no. a bit, Tony. No, no, that's no. I've definitely accepted the position. So looking forward to that. Had a good uh, meeting with MCW and PCW last week, who were the guys behind sort of kicking it off. And now over the next uh, couple of months, look to get all the promotions on board and just set ground rules for how people should run promotions and how wrestlers should behave. Things as simple as having defibrillators at wrestling events. That just should be a standard thing. That sort of stuff needs to happen. And hopefully all the promotions can start to sign off on things like that. Barriers around rings and things like that to protect fans. So, yeah, they're the things that will be brought up and spoken about. Barriers so, around merch tables to protect fans in the UK. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So <laughs> looking forward to that. I'll keep you up to date with that, guys, over the next uh, couple of months as it comes together. Wait, you're talking to these promotions, Tony. Can spill the beans on this new uh, Renegades of Wrestling. What do you know? Who's no, no, no. Well, but I'm not talking to them about their promotion. Uh, it's a scoop or something while Tony, you're there. Tony's just making it about himself. He's, yeah, the first meeting was all about what perks he could have. <laughs> Yeah, and how many of his kids he can get in the shows? Did you know that there was <laughs> lifetime membership, free entrance to MCW and PCW? I never knew that existed. Oh, you got one for yourself. What about did you get, look after the other three guys here, or just yourself? No, no, I'm the I'm the independent chairman, mate. 
Could I have a lifetime membership? Well, having Tony? said that, I am Tony's looking... only as, you're only as independent as who buys you your lunch. I am I am looking for a secretary, Lyle, and I don't want to be stereotyped. So if you're interested, yeah, that's fine, mate. Yeah. I'm I'm happy. What do I what do I entail? Answer the phones, help put up the circus tent for your town no, you hall meetings. To to uh, promotions. You get to go secretary to the secretary does all the work. My hot dogs and dim sims. Secretary oh, well, does all the work on any committee I've been on. And if I know myself, I'll get the hot, the hot dogs and the dim sims ready four hours before you're ready to eat them, Tony Cold. Good man. Good man. Hey, let's have a look at what's coming up on the weekend. Uh, just Sorry, just before we do, I oh. just want to give a shout out to Ant Cava, who announced um, during the week that he's contracted COVID, um, mm. which is unfortunate. So, um, like, I mean, obviously a, a strong fit. Like, he's a, he's a bodybuilder. Um, so, he's obviously as fit as you can be. And, and he's been knocked around a fair bit by this, so make sure you take care of yourself. Um, good on him for being so open and honest with it as well, because um, it'd be very easy to just close up and and be worried about what people think when you catch COVID, and it's not yeah. your fault. So, um, yeah, hopefully he gets well soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, nothing on Friday around Australia, but on Saturday, NHPW have trick or treat at the Coburn Youth Centre. And this is part of my new independent chairman role. I actually get to say things properly now. I assume that um, Lyle must have written it differently. No, no. It's I, 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 wrote, I wrote properly. it phonetically for him uh, yeah. this week. And Venom Pro Wrestling at High Voltage 5 are uh, running that at the Showman's Club. So a couple of events happening around Australia. Thank there's you, probably, guys. At, at, there's probably at, three at, or four more that Lyle's ACW in Adelaide are running Saturday night as well. Yeah. Tony, obviously, you didn't scroll down on the run sheet enough. Um, no, I'm right down the bottom. Academy, so yeah, I'm actually there. right down the bottom. That's Is there a there. second page? No. Uh, yeah, you must have missed it, Tony. You, you did open the show on last week's uh, no, a September run sheet. So, yeah, just scroll, keep scrolling down there, mate. It's there. I hate people who don't accept responsibility. So do I. Makes me you sick, fucked up, Tony. That's it. End the story. Hey, 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 Lang- language there, language there, Commission. The chairman. He's, he's going to be chair shots next. Yeah, Sergeant Ford and the commissioner right. as, over here. As the La chairman Parker. of this, as the chairman of this podcast, I close it. I call it closed. Meeting adjourned. Until next week, we'll catch you then. See, you boys. See, T dogs. And thank Ciao, you for joining us right here on the Turnbuckle.